Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. This is the best players you've never heard of, but you probably heard of them. These are just the players that you never hear on podcasts that should be on podcasts. We got um, Todd Hoppy, Mark Rod, and Nikolai Knutson. And Nikolai's a second-time guest on this podcast. I had him on last year. What's going on, guys? What's up, Zach? Um, my name is Mark Rodriguez, by the way. I think my name is Mark Rod on, on NFBC. Uh, thanks for having me. I, I don't know if this is a distinction that I've really earned just yet, but I'll take it. And a uh, big fan of the pod, so ready to go. Let's have some fun. I like it. Todd? Yeah, thanks, Zach. I think uh, today's a good day to talk about fantasy football, right? That's what we're talking about today <laughs> after the Super Bowl. Yeah. How long can we talk about that for? I got about 30 seconds worth of content for you. Yeah, that's about, that's about, the, that's about what I have. Yeah, thanks, Zach, man. Uh, it's fun to be back again. I appreciate the second invite. Uh, I'm, I think last time you boosted my followers by a good 30 to 40 and got me up to 50. So it's basically why I'm back again. Uh, for clout? Strict, for the clout, yeah, for sure. I think for the, for the you followers. keep inviting me on once a year. I should get to 200 and, uh, I don't know, 2030-something. But Well, usually the people that like uh, interact with my podcast – don't actually gain followers they get blocked by people just by being like mm. for, by um, in, interacting with me so it's really i don't know if you're going to get what you want but we'll try so do you guys do you guys want to say where you're where you're like um where you're from on twitter like your like handle like i guess nick nicolai you're just here for 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 clout so you might as well tell everyone your handle so they can find you yeah for sure it's just my first and then last name so add nicolai knutson but uh i i'm probably a terrible follow i don't tweet much Mostly, you know, just checking out what's going on and, you know, listen for Zach's kind of hot takes, that kind of stuff. So I don't have any hot takes. Anything I say is just like false. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Mark Rod, you're, uh, do you want to say like, you want to out yourself like your burner account? Uh, yeah, I, I don't mind. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be pretty hard to find on Twitter. I think my name is Reggie on there is the display name. Uh, if, if you see a, a tweet. Uh, with the the Marvin the Martian uh, <laughs> avatar, then may, maybe you found me. But you know, I'm I'm not looking to self promote or or parlay this into a content creation career or anything like that. Uh, um, a little bit about myself, just to introduce myself nope, a little bit. Nope, I, no, no, <laughs> I, I, I got I got to get this preface in. So I'm, I'm, knows, okay, I'm, okay, I'm just I'm just kidding. Go ahead. I'm the last year was my first year playing NFBC and and Roto in general. So I I think if there's somewhat of a unique perspective for me to offer it's somebody that's pretty new to this but did okay in my first year and just uh trying to learn and get better you uh, did yeah i remember i were we in an auction together yeah that was the first auction i've ever done too and i think i did okay but i think yeah. i kind of kind of blew it in fab so uh, i'm you excited were like to get back in close there. to like the leaderboard at the overall for a while at the at the for the first couple months at least yeah, I was looking good. I think, you know, it's my first time doing fab, first time using the NFB website at all. Um, That's good. So I think you, I had a lot to learn, but yeah, I did, did, I did okay. We'll see. You did you did well. And Todd, we I think we met before once like on a on a call that Fish put put on, but uh, we we don't really talk and I don't really hear you much on podcasts, but you're you've been playing NFBC for a while, right? Yeah, I've been playing it for 5 years now. Uh you can follow me as Tulsa Hop on Twitter, although I mostly just tweet about my terrible college basketball and football teams that I follow and not as much fantasy baseball content, which I think Mark of the three of us probably puts the the best stuff out there. 
But uh, yeah, I've been playing in MPC since 2018, mostly DCs, but also a couple of main event teams every year. Yeah, Hoppy, you're like a you're like a DC savant. You do you you've had a lot of success, and you play the high you play higher stakes DCs. You've done great, um, Mark. I would I would never like you don't look like Reggie at all. I would never expect <laughs> you to be called Reggie, but I don't know what I don't, I'm not I'm not even gonna ask. And Nikolai, like you, you're like um, you do really well in the OCs. You you did a, you were you cash in three of three of your four DCs, which is really good and successful. And you cash in six of your thirteen OCs, which is really good you have to be top two to cash todd you had nine of 19 caches in dcs and you were one of the most i have a list of the most profitable players in um uh, in the dcs last year and i think you were top you were in the top you were on the top of that list in terms of money earned or at least for the 150s and then rod like you were five or six in your roto leagues um i think you did i don't know how many dc i mean you'd and aside from that aside from the dcs you were five for six and then one for three in dcs so you're all profitable players and no one gets to hear from you guys. So let's get into it. Let's get right into it. Um, uh, quite frankly, you, you are terrible. You all, you all are terrible followers on Twitter, Twitter, but, um, but I think you all would be amazing listens on a podcast. So I, I say that honestly. Um, so let's get right into it. League selection. Let's talk about it. Like what, you, like we're, we're in DC season. What do you guys look for? What do you type? What do you guys target? Let's start with you, Todd. Yeah. I mean, I think a big part of it is, finding, you know, some of those four hour DCs that, especially with names that you don't recognize, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad players, but I mean, one of the useful things NFPC has is you can look up every player's history, right? And sort of see what they've done in the past. I think a lot of times I'll just sort of hop into a couple of those starting out. Um, and, you know, everybody loves to complain about like the guys that milk the clock or, you know, how slow those drafts are going. Honestly, most of the time, I kind of prefer that just because I don't actually assume that I, I don't think most people do it maliciously in terms of taking a lot of time on the clock. It's either because they're doing research or maybe they're not quite ready to, to really jump into a draft, but they kind of do it anyways. Um, there's any number of reasons that somebody can take a long time to draft. But, you know, just sort of anecdotally, I've found that, you know, the people that take the longest in all of my drafts are always the ones that are in the bottom of the standings. And so I think there's, you know, like I said, there's any number of reasons why that could be true. But I mean, a lot of times I, I'm just fine jumping into kind of the longest DCs that are available and, you know, kind of jumping in like pretty much right away. I don't draft quite as early as you guys do the first, you know, five or six that get done. But then, you know, pretty soon after baseball season's over, just hop in and start doing them. Nice. What about you guys? Like, I think uh, Nikolai, you you tend to jump into a lot of the uh, at, least, at least the OCs where like all the notable guys like like Settler are in, and you 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 battle you battle the best of them. Yeah, man, I uh, I have no willpower when it comes to that stuff. It's one of those things where you know you're scrolling on Twitter. I, I'm a terrible follow, but I'm scrolling, you know, constantly like we all are for news and stuff. And if somebody tweets out, you know, hey, let's join this this OC at, you know nine o'clock or whatever i'm like ah you know twist my arm kind of thing and just jump in um you know probably could be a little smarter with some of the competition but it's also kind of fun to battle you know i think you and i were in at least one oc last year it's kind of fun when you know a few of the guys just uh kind of have that little competitive back and forth um in a great way just to get to know some of them but um so yeah the ocs are fun like i said it's it's, it's something i've enjoyed um i'm going to try to cut back a little bit this year just more for the fab 
It just yeah. gets, it, it just, by the end of the year, man, I, I can't stand it. I'm pulling my hair out and I hate Sundays. And while I'm not doing a whole lot on Sundays, I, I'd like to spend my time uh, doing a few other things sometimes. Uh, and it just, if you want to do good at it, you have to spend so much time tweaking it throughout the whole day, as you know, and you do way more leagues than I do. So, um, yeah, I might, I'm, I'm trying to cut down leagues too. I'd like to, I'd like to get back to church um, on Sundays, but um you do know. seem like a big church guy. That, that, that does not shock me. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think me and you were in the the one that Guilds won the overall. Uh, am I am I right? We were. I was actually going to ask you: Are we to blame for that? Then or are we? Are uh... I don't know, man. <laughs> I guess we we are to blame because we let him get like Carlos Rodon at like pick like close to two hundred. And if we if we didn't let him do that, he would never have won the overall. I would think. Um, but, yeah, um, and obviously he did great, but I it, I do think about that. That league was pretty loaded with uh, some pretty good players, and obviously he did a great job. It, yeah, that was that it, was but... a, a loaded league. I remember, you know what the thing is like. I try to like get you try to get the soccer leagues. You know, like oh, I shouldn't join this league because all these people are really good players. But my the DC that I did the best in last year, I think I was like thirty something overall. I was never close to winning it, but it was my best DC. That was a DC with Vlad Sedler, Ryan Bloomfield. It had Emmett Ruland, who was a guy that finished second between Phil's two um, leagues, and um, a bunch of other good players. And um, I ended up, and um, I think Ryan Roof was in that, if I'm not mistaken. A um, bunch of like other guys. I'm not. I, John Fish was in it too, and uh, that was my best league. And I remember vividly in that league um, that last that that was the 2022 draft season, like in round eight or nine or whatever. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm going to jump Blake Snell. And I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump him and I'm going to get him ahead of his ADP in this round. And then Bloomfield overjumps me and he takes Snell. And I'm like, damn it. And um, and then I was like, I was up in one or two picks and I and I took Alec Manoa instead. And if that didn't happen, I probably don't win that league and I probably don't finish as far, far in the overall. It's just, so sometimes it's like, yeah, you're playing like, a, like I listed all those really good players like Bloomfield and Vlad, et cetera. And sometimes like they'll get their guys and, and it might work to your advantage. So it's like, sometimes it's, you, you think it's, it's tougher. And maybe that's something, maybe that's something that happened in, in our league, uh, Nikolai, when, when like we were all too smart to draft Rodon and then, and then guilds always talks about getting that falling value. So I don't know. It's just something I think about. Um, and no, that um, makes sense. Yeah. Mark, what about you? What are you, what are you looking for right now? You're getting, you're getting more into it. You're going to do more leagues this year. I think you're, you're, Definitely, I see you um, looking to uh, up the up the game this year. Yeah, I think I'm in draft number eleven right now. Um, but first of all, no, there will be no church talk. I was promised on the promotional <laughs> material that there would be religious intolerance. Okay. Yeah. So. Sorry, my bad. We'll, we'll get to, we'll get to the intolerance. <laughs> but, later. Uh, but no, with the uh, with you know game selection, I don't I don't overthink it. I started way earlier than I ever have this year, joining a draft, the DC in October, and. I, I'm choosing the four ones, the four hour ones, because I want it to take a while. You know, as long as I'm in one draft at a time, I'm kind of staving off the itch and I'm not overdoing it and kind of maintaining uh, what I got in my account on NFBC. Uh, I did start to get sick of the four hours and hopped into a two hour. It was one that Eno tweeted out um, and it does feel significantly harder. So I think there probably is something to what you're saying. Um, even getting ready to jump guys I want you know, a guy I really like, I don't know if you're going to want to bleep his name out or not, but uh, Miguel Vargas, I got in the 18th round in the DC that I finished before this two hour one. 
Um, so, you know, I know he's, he's creeping up and he's somebody I want to keep getting. So I'm ready to take him in 15th, 16th round. And this one, he goes in the 14th. Um, so I think, I think there is something to maybe the two hours being a little bit sharper, but overall, I don't, I don't overthink it. I'm, you know, I like the competition. I'll, I'll play against whoever. Right. And I think that's true. I, I, I've been basically doing all the four hour ones because just because you want to get into leagues that you don't recognize the names in. Like there's some players that may not be successful, but they're, but they're in tune with the market. They're on Twitter and they know who, 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 um, who they need to jump. And sometimes um, those players are very in tune with the market and they'll jump players, but end up doing very poorly because they, they're, they're paying like they're, they're getting the good players that everyone else has won or the hot commodities, but they're not constructing their team properly um, despite that. So in just because, and sometimes, and, and like I said, they, they could do poorly in those leagues, but again, I don't care because I don't want to play against those players because you're in the overall competition. I want to, I don't want to play with players that are going to be jumping up players that I want, even if they are bad players, you know, and I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've explained that properly. I think I did. Yeah, no, I, th I think there's some of that going on in, in this draft I'm talking about. Andrew Painter went in the 17th round. And that is just, that's insane to me. So I think once people start getting the sniff of people are jumping prospects, people are jumping, you know, the, the trendy targets, then they do get a little bit overeager. And I think that's a pick with that is going to hurt that team that, that maybe the rest of the teams can take advantage of. Oh, the cat popped up. All right. One more thing. One more thing on um, league selection. I was talking to Phil Dussault about this and I said, you know, I think the players that have names in all caps are generally worse players than the, the players that like have normal names because I'm like, who signs up all caps? And and looking at the players, I'm like, you know what? I think I think this is I think there is some truth to the the, the the all caps theory. So Phil tested it for me, and he said, I tested your theory. Players in all caps in their name average forty eight point four percent of the overall points, and it's fifty two point two for the other players. I think I have a min of forty percent per team, so there so the average is actually higher than fifty percent. So like I guess that theory is true. <laughs> All right, let's move on. It is kind of a serial killer move to go all caps. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, it's it's more of a it's it's like a Bjorn thing to do. I think, um, you know, shout out to Aaron Aaron, fantasy at fantasy T ball. He's in, on an NFBC. His um, his uh, name's all caps. Um, anyways, uh, draft prep. Um, what do you do to prep? Like, I, I'm I'm finding myself. Um, I think. For DC season, roster construction is is key rather than so. I, I try not to get lost in the minutia of player evaluation, but you're looking for it at batch and playing time. So right now, like mining the news or mining the opinions, as Jeff Zimmerman likes to do, um, is really important. But I think it's it's crucial to like decide what's uh, what's actually news and what's just someone's opinion that may or may not be that useful. Like a beat writer, what do you guys say about that? Anyone? Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll jump in here. I'm, I I definitely agree. There's there's a big difference between a beat writer's opinion or inference versus actual quotes from a general manager. You might even see a quote from a scout or a teammate or the player themselves, and that is obviously going to be less actionable. But um, something like Jerry Depoto saying they're going to bring Gilbert and Kirby along slow to start the year, I think that's something that is meaningful versus um, I read an athletic, you know, like a uh, spring training roster preview for the Angels this morning. And um, 
this this writer says that um, the catcher's job is Stassi's job to lose. They assume that Ohapi will not be the starting catcher out of the gate. Now that's that's an assumption. That's, that's an noise. opinion. Yeah, that's, that's not that's not the the manager saying that. Um, I don't think it's meaningless because you know this is obviously a person who's well in tune with the team. That's how they get the job. But you definitely got to make sure you don't overweight something that's not coming from the, the decision makers themselves. Yeah, and mining the news thing that Zimmerman does, it's great. It's awesome. Um, not trying to say it's not, but if you look, if you click on those links, a lot of that's just like beat writers, like projection of a roster, and like, it's, and sometimes he'll the he'll the heading that he'll have is like so and so is the closer. Like, I click on it, I'm like, well, that's just what like Mark Berman on the Braves is saying based on whatever, right? Like, I could do that. So. You got to be careful uh, with what's actual news and, and what's not. And we'll get into our two tr- two truths and a lie. And I like to look at just like pure quotes from managers or GMs or presidents and stuff like that, rather than beat writers or like the players themselves. Like they all listen to player talk about himself. Like you can't take that seriously. Like Eric Hosmer is like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be amazing this year. I'm like, okay. Um, but yeah, let's yeah. Brent, Brandon Rogers is gonna steal thirty bases. Oh yeah. So so is Yohan Moncada, right? <laughs> Um, and I mean, know. I think I think also, you know, I'm much more likely to believe the negative stuff that gets said because there's less, you know, there's less reason for them to lie. I mean, all these guys lie in some form or fashion about things positively and like, oh, this is the reason that this guy stunk last year, but it'll be good this year. But anything that comes out uh, that is negative about a player or uh, a specific situation immediately catches my eye as like, okay, why are they saying that? Cause I, I don't, I can't figure out an ulterior motive for why he would say this guy may not be ready for opening day or this guy has to change his delivery because he had shoulder soreness or anything like that. Uh, much more likely to believe right away. That's a good point. Absolutely. Anything else, Nick, yeah. Nikolai? Nikolai, you got any thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I think those guys made a lot of good points. The only thing I'd say is um, more often than not, uh, I think if you just, like, click on that first headline, you know, it's probably not going to materialize uh, most of the time. You know, so you mentioned Jeff's article, and obviously he does a really good job. He's a super smart guy. Um, again, I think you, you just got to do your due diligence on your on your own time, too, on top of that, right? It's just, like, really dive into it and try to back up whatever – the source is or beat writer is and see if you can find it like you know a second opinion or anything else out there um and especially with players that i i'm probably a victim of this like that you like it's so awesome when you see something positive about a guy you're maybe in all right it's just like oh yeah see boom like locked in on him auto draft whatever and i think that's the wrong way to do it um is to uh, i don't know if that makes sense like especially like i said just a guy you might be targeting you, you get good news on him and and you think it's just a slam dunk that it's true. Um, a little biased can creep in. Yeah, I'm this. I'm honestly the same way. Um, but I want to move on to some late late round targets. That's what people want to hear about. I want to get some get some players um, that you guys are in on. Uh, we got um, something that I didn't have time to do with uh, Mark Cerebro is uh, who is the next year's Clay Holmes. And he has next year's Clay Holmes, but you won't hear his. You'll hear something better. Three players that you've never heard of. No, I'm just joking. The three, three, three of the best players that I know of in the NFBC that aren't on a podcast uh, tell you who next year's Clay Holmes is and next year's, and this is Todd's idea, next year's Eliheros Montero. So that's uh, 
one player, uh, Holmes, who's going to be um, a, a sleeper for sta- saves like in the late rounds, and also somebody that's going to be – how did you describe it, Todd? Uh, a guy that you can use like exactly once uh, all year, but he's super useful. Now, did you? I want to ask you a question, Todd. Did you have any Ellie Heroes Montero in DCs last year? Yeah, I think he was my most drafted player in DCs last really? year. I had I had a share. I had one share, and he did. He was actually not to make this about me, but he, he was on a he was on a DC team of mine that had drafted um, Kyle Seeger. It was an early DC, and Anthony Rendon, and no one else could play third base. So when Montero got called up, I'm like, my God, this is amazing. Like I never expected this to happen, but then he was also unuseful for a lot of that last last part of the year as well. So it was better than nothing. So let's start with you, Todd. We'll start with Montero because I know that's what everyone wants to hear. They don't care about next year's Clay Holmes. They want the Montero first. Who is your next year's this or this year's Montero? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the reasons that I drafted Montero pretty much everywhere last year, I mean, he was going 50th round, like he was undrafted in a lot of drafts, but I mean, it seemed super obvious both because he was on the 40-man roster already and also because the Rockies in general had just a bunch of holes up and down their lineup, right, that he would be up at some point last year. And I think there's at least an element of it that's, you know, the Rockies front office is kind of tired of getting crapped on by everybody. And so he was, you know, part of the Arenado trade return. And I think they at least wanted to bring him up and kind of show what he could do. So I felt pretty confident that he'd be up at some point last year and then you know in a draft champions kind of one of the things i'm thinking about is like how to make my lineup decisions as easy as possible so you know especially when you do um like i did 19 dcs last year i want to be able to easily make a decision on whether a guy is playable or not playable right and montero was a guy last year who you know as soon as he came up it was an obvious decision like he was either uh, on the road and just completely unplayable or they were playing at home and you could see if he was in the lineup that day and plug him in or sit him. Right. So I looked back there. Was, so there were five scoring periods last year, like the half weeks where mm-hmm. he was in the lineup and they were playing at home. And so it was a, just an automatic plug and play. Right. And if you did that for those five scoring periods, you got four home runs. I think it was like nine runs, 10 RBI. And he hit like 240 or whatever. But for five scoring periods uh, out of the whatever it is, 54 on the season, you got pretty huge stats. And then it was obvious to send him all the rest of the time. So, I mean, I'm kind of thinking for some of the later round guys trying to figure out, okay, who gives me uh, an easy lineup decision who also I think will be up this year? I think I'm maybe a little less confident in this guy. But I kind of think that with the Reds, that Christian Encarnacion Strand will be up at some point this year. He's already on the 40-man roster. The Reds have all kinds of issues at corner infield. So Votto is still hurt, apparently. They got, I mean, I suppose they'll play Will Myers at first some. And then they got Spencer Steer at third, who I don't think is unmovable at all. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if Strand comes up at some point this year. And playing in Great American Ballpark, he's a guy who clearly has, like, most people say 70 raw power. Like, he's a guy who had 30-plus home runs in the minors last year. And so I think he's a guy who, if on a Friday afternoon I'm checking out lineups and he's in there for the Reds and they're playing at home, 
I think that's an easy one that I just plug in and I don't even have to think about the decision and maybe hits a home run or two over the weekend. That's a good, I like that call. I like that a lot. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. I have somebody written down myself, but we'll see if Mark or Nikolai want to need more time because we just decided to do this right before we recorded. Um, do, do you, do you, I, I have, I have mine ready to go, but if you guys are ready to go, you can go first. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can jump in. Oh, okay. go ahead, man. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I don't know if this is cheating because I'm going to stick with the Rockies and I'm going to go with Sean Bouchard. Uh, I think no, a lot that's, of the that's reason- cheating. Nope. <laughs> is it? Is it cheating? Yeah, that, yeah that's, I'm pretty sure that's cheating. No, I'm joking. Yeah, no, go, go mean, ahead. Sorry. I mean, yeah, it follows a lot of the logic that uh, that was laid out about Montero, right? If if he's up and when he's up, you're going to be able to time when he's at cores. Um, who knows how often he's going to be up or how long he'll stay up, but he had some pretty good numbers last year. Um, some really good OBPs that sort of suggest that he could be you know, a full-time regular, if he gets that opportunity, if maybe if Nolan Jones isn't working out or, you know, who knows what the Rockies are going to do, but I think he's someone who could come up and hit for power and be surprisingly good. And then maybe the Rockies send him back down. Maybe they confuse us just like they did with Montero. And and we don't know when to expect him to be in the lineup, but maybe you'll get one or two good weeks from him. Cool. No, I I like that call a lot too. So those are two good calls. Uh, Nikolai, what about you? Yeah. So I'm going to go with uh, Matt Wallner. Uh, who's going, I don't know, pretty much cheap, I think, or free in the, the DC's late. Um, I just think he's got, again, another guy, 70-grade raw power. Uh, he's basically, you know, Gallo's on that team now. He's kind of got Gallo vibes. You know, this dude who can mash but also strikes out a ton. And I could just see him, you know, getting a chance to come up. You know, you got guys in that lineup, whether it's Gallo who needs to go to the bench because he struck out 60% of the time over his last 100 ABs or – Kirilov's hurt or whatever, and he comes in and just destroys the baseball for two weeks type of thing. Um, so kind of like him getting a oh. – and honestly, I could talk myself into him actually getting a little bit more of a run than that, uh, maybe just based on that team. But uh, I think he could be useful for a, a brief stretch. No, he's got, to, he's got some good um, – got some good, good numbers. He strikes out a lot, but that's that's um, that's okay. Oh, um, yeah, he's huge holes in his swing, but – all right, so my my guy that I'm gonna use is uh, Jake Berger um, on the White Sox. Um, I think he's got he's got the like really good exit velocities. He they've talked about playing him at multiple spots other than third base and second base. They said Romy Gonzalez is Romy Gonzalez will be the starter. Who knows how long that's gonna last? I'm not confident in that at all. I'm also not extreme. I'm not I'm not 100 on Monterio or Moncada either. Um, and then there's room. There's room for him. Um, so I think he. I could talk myself into him being even better than that too. Um, and he's going after round forty. So I don't know. I like that call. I like all of our calls. Um, should we bleep any of that out? Should any of that should any of that be premium content or no? Like, you guys good? With, you guys good with keeping that in? Yeah, I don't. I don't. Care I'm good with it. Okay, I, I think. I think. I think we can keep that in. We'll. We'll throw them. We'll throw them a bone. We don't want to start leaping out and stuff before the podcast gets too much in, underway here. Um, let's get right into. Oh no, we still got to do Clay Holmes next year's Clay Holmes. This might be premium content. Mine's going to be premium content. I'm going to bleep mine out. Okay, but you guys can. You guys. Um, you guys can go first. Let's start. Let's start with Nikolai this time. Let's go backwards. Do you want me to just name one? Or are we doing a few guys? Or what are we doing? You can do whatever the fuck you want, man. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Um, 
right, I'm going to stick with this guy because he was kind of my pick coming into the year, and I know things have changed, but I'm going to go with Dylan Coleman on the Royals, which is kind of funny since Clay Holmes was obviously behind Chapman last year. <laughs> um, but That is funny. I think Bar. the reason I'm picking him is I think Barlow could be a trade guy maybe at some point in the year. I think Barlow's a good a good pitcher, but um, I think Chapman's toast, so I just don't personally care that much that he's there. Um, I think for the most part, he's probably not very good anymore. Um, and I think Coleman, who has some major walk issues, so that is going to be his biggest thing, but he does have some of that closer hit stuff um, that I could just see – I don't know, materializing as the year goes on, if Barlow gets traded, I I think by that point, Chapman's going to look washed and I could see him stepping in and maybe being a, a good saves guy in the second half. Um, I would have picked Ronaldo Lopez, by the way, but I feel like that's getting really, uh, I don't know, kind of boring at this point. I feel like everybody's on the Lopez possible closer train. So um, Yeah, you're I'm right, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah every, every, he, is, he is becoming that trendy guy. Like at the end of yeah. my, in the auctions I'm doing, he is getting picked in the reserve rounds. Um, and he As he should. Been, he's been really good the last two years, bud. He's been getting pushed up a little bit more than what his like uh, range of outcomes suggests, I think. I think he's getting a little bit too hot to handle. But I, I, had, a lot of two, no, I, had, a lot, I had a lot of Coleman last year. I haven't been so much yeah. on him this year. I don't know why. Maybe I should be. Um, his command's he, bad. I don't. That'd be the only thing is I don't know. If, yeah, I'm talking about Chapman being washed, and his, his command was pretty bad last year, but. All right. Do you have you have more? Uh, so yeah, although so you got yeah, I said uh, no Lopez and Coleman. Um, the only have, one I'll ever the, the other one I'll mention, and I think it's a, a little harder because I think Iglesias is actually a pretty good pitcher in Atlanta. But I like Joe Evanes. I, I liked him last call. year in Detroit. Um, he really improved his command. I think he went to a better team. Atlanta does a great job with their pitchers, and if his walk percentage is going to stay like that, I think the kid's got really good stuff and. Um, again, we're talking that late. If something happens with Iglesias, I don't think as good as Minter is as a pitcher. He's just going to be the guy. So I would, I think he's got a good chance. You know, again, things need to happen, but I think he's a really good arm, actually. I think he's made some good improvements. All right. Those are three solid ones. Uh, Mark, who do you got? Uh, Joe Jimenez was my guy, actually. Really? So, um, yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't really have anyone that I feel that strongly about. So when you put this on the agenda, I went to, you know, Stuff Plus and just tried to see who who popped in that. Um, you know, we've heard a lot about is it is it Steve Meyer that you had on who had the insane last ten rounds? Yeah. DC. Yes. And just seeing the sort of guys that that he was willing to pick, that seems like stuff guys to me that don't have any clear opportunity. So uh, I thought Jimenez fit well with the next Clay Holmes as somebody with. Uh, you know, seemingly bulletproof job security in front of in front of him. If you want to consider Iglesias that, but if something were to happen to him, Jimenez has the skills, like Nikolai said. So, I, I like that pick. Uh, I got a few other guys written down here. Let's see who's my backup plan. Uh, let's go with Matt Bush. I don't know if that's far enough off the radar. Um, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical on Williams. I haven't drafted Devin Williams once yet. Um. I can't put my finger on a reason, but he just feels a little flimsy for me to be taken that high. Um, and then I guess one just just one out of left field. I'll go with uh, Calvin Fauche, who had an insane like slider stuff. Plus, he's on the Rays. Is he related um, to Anthony Fauci? 
<laughs> yes, yes, I believe so. Yeah, it's his, uh, his son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spelled the same too? No, it's it's Fauche, F-A-U-C-H-E-R. I mean, I barely know anything about him, but 147 stuff plus, which is pretty insane. All right, cool. Um, you know what? Like, I don't mind that the Jimenez type pick because, like, people are gonna people are gonna say, "Yeah, fuck you, shut up." Like, uh, after I say this, but Braves haven't said anything about Iglesias actually being the closer. Maybe it's just me take locks, like not wanting to go draft Iglesias because Jansen might come back there, and I'm just not ready to give up on this, but. He was so good and he was amazing, like as in that role. But they haven't said fuck all about who's the closer. They haven't said anything. Like, yeah, we all just assume he's a closer because, yeah, he's got he's he's got the no he's got the name value. But I don't know. Yeah, he's a, like, a former former starter. Once people people time. are saying shut up. Like, like what I'm saying is like so stupid. But you know, Zach, you know what's funny about that? I know the Arnesons were going to join this. I was actually getting into a, and I was taking the opposite side of your take. Uh, Keaton was saying the same thing. He's like, where has he been named the closer? And I was like, dude, he's, I'm, I'm basically saying follow the money. Like I get what you're saying. Cause I haven't found anything either that says he's the guy, but I also, I'm like, are they really going to have the second highest paid RP in baseball? Not close the start, but you know, you never know. Um, Metal relief, like non-closers are getting paid a lot of money. Like when I, when I saw the Astros, what they're spending on their bullpen and what, who else? What, there was another team that spent a ridiculous uh, amount. Who am I Robert thinking? Suarez. Robert yeah. Suarez on San Diego. Yes, that's that's the other one, example. Those two, like those guys are like, and what uh, what the Jays traded to get Swanson, like, I don't know, just because Iglesias is making what he's making fourteen mil or I don't know, don't have it sixteen I think, but still fifteen. Yeah. That's not that much more like than what the, they're spending on. What other player? Like, if you look at the like the aggregation of the Atlanta Braves salary for their bullpen, not much more than probably less than Astros or Padres, and it doesn't matter how the pieces get together. Get together, it's just a matter of how they perform. But I don't know. I I admit that it's a reach. Like, I'll, like if I had to, if I had to guess, I'd say it's Iglesias, the closer, like 70, 80, 90 90 percent chance. But I don't know. Yeah, but that's that's no, what I, I was saying about about Chapman last year. So I think that's what makes it a a good Clay Holmes. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Todd, what do you got? Uh, so I mean, I'll admit that Clay Holmes was not a guy I drafted last year. I feel I felt like an idiot all year, basically. But I I always thought that Loizaga was just a much better pitcher and was much more likely to take over if if Chapman faltered and. Um, I mean, clearly that was, that was way wrong. So, um, I don't know. I'll come up with like some dumb reasons to like a couple of guys here. One is, uh, so you know how baseball savant has those like similar pitcher things. I don't even know exactly how the formula works, but it's got some list of pitchers that a guy is similar to. Yep. So I've got one, I've got one open right here where his most similar pitchers are Spencer Strider. David Bednar, Carlos Rodon, Liam Hendricks, Ryan Helsley. Those are his top five comps. Uh, and this guy is, his name is Garrett Clevenger with the Rays. He's like <laughs> a dude who's bounced around from Philly to the Dodgers to the Rays. He's always had like serious walk problems. But it seems like once he came to the Rays, 
they made some changes, I think, to his arm slot. And it's like he stopped walking, guys. And he went on this insane run where he had, like, 50 strikeouts to seven walks or something to end the season with the Rays. And then he pitched in the playoffs as well for them. I don't know. I actually think he's a guy who gets, like, Holmes-level saves. But the Rays always have – they always have, like, eight or nine guys who pick up you know, a couple of saves. It would, so it wouldn't surprise me if this guy finished a couple of games, right? And he's a guy that you plug in, and maybe over the course of the season you get, like, you know, let's call it five saves from him or something. He's just a guy you plug in when you don't have any better options. But I think he might actually be a good pitcher right now, probably just a middle reliever, but who knows, man. You know what? A lot of people are going to be mad I'm not going to bleep that out because you're not the first person that has brought him up to me. So multiple people, multiple people, well, not multiple, but I, I think maybe two people have also mentioned that name that are two people that I really respect. So um, that is that is, uh, that is is a call that I'm, I haven't drafted him yet, but um, a lot of people are saying that name. Well, not a lot, but a couple people, including you, who I respect a lot have said that name. So that's a, uh, no, it's not a bad call in in, in my my opinion. Um, okay, do you want do you want mine? This player, and I'm gonna bleep this out too. If you want if, join the Patreon if you want if you want my name if you want my guys. But um, last 40 innings he pitched last year, including the playoffs. This guy's not first and probably not even second in line for saves. His name is. He was highly graded coming out as a prospect, and his stuff is disgusting. Um, and he's on a great team, and he was incredible down the stretch, including the playoffs, and a lot of people don't see that a lot of that uh, stat line that I just mentioned was in the playoffs. They wouldn't see it when they're looking at projections and shit like that. So that's my guy. It's a good call. Great call. He just got yeah. paid too. But we're, let's get started into the um, um, ADP battles. So these are the ADP battles, and this is um, – I'm spinning off of the um, Gecko Industries um, idea that he, when he came on the podcast, to take two players going at a similar ADP and just battle them off. Tell me who you like. I'm going to change that up a little bit, and I like this actually more. What I'm doing is I'm taking one player who's been moving a lot recently, and I'm taking that against a player that has been sta- and fairly static in their ADP. And what I'm doing is I'm looking at their ADP that you'll see in the draft room, and that ADP you see in the draft room is. Um, it's not live. So it's the ADP is whatever the ADP was when the draft started. And I'm taking, I'm, and I'm going to, I'm going to take those two players and those ADPs that you see in the draft room may not be that close because one player is moving a lot. And I'm going to compare it against the ADP for that, for that one player over the last 12 DCs. So only 12 DCs. So one player in the last 12 DCs has a very similar ADP to another player. Um, throughout the course of time. So I, if I didn't explain that properly, I'm just going to go into the first one and see an example might be easier to understand. So this example is Tyler O'Neill versus Seiya Suzuki. Now their ADPs aren't super close. If you look at them in the draft room, Tyler O'Neill's ADP is 104 and Seiya Suzuki's ADP is 117. However, over the last 12 drafts, Suzuki's ADP is 105 versus Tyler O'Neill's 104. So people just jumping in the draft room may say, okay, well, maybe I can wait around on, say, a Suzuki, and he's not really a consideration when I'm looking at Tyler O'Neill. But whoa, whoa, wait a second. If you're in these drafts like we are and we're drafting a lot, you got your pulse, you got your finger on the pulse, it's a different story. 
So let's look at Suzuki, whose ADP on paper in quotes is a lot later than O'Neill, but what's how the market's moving is those two players are pretty much right in line if you're if you got your finger on the pulse. So let's start with uh, Todd. What do you think about O'Neill and Suzuki? Are is that in, is that a fair comp? You can argue you can argue with me here and saying that's maybe that's not something that you should be comparing. No, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. And I'll admit that I sort of fell into the Tyler O'Neill uh, uh, pothole last year a little so bit. I, I did too. Getting pushed up. Um, I think I, of the two, I, I don't mind taking either one. I think I would take, say, a Suzuki. And one of the reasons is I think that he is pretty much a lock for like full-time playing time. I'm not actually sure that the Cardinals are in love with Tyler O'Neill in the same way. And... You know, towards the end of the season last year, I know he was still kind of hurt, but I mean, they were batting him like sixth, seventh. He batted one game ninth in the order, which is just not really what you do for a guy who you trust to be like your masher. But Suzuki had like three different times during the season in between injuries where he played like 16 straight games. He actually, in April of last year, played 27 of the first 28 games for the Cubs. And I feel pretty confident that he's going to be in there every single day when he's healthy. And, you know, the, the batted ball metrics maybe aren't quite as good. He doesn't hit the ball quite as hard, but there's a lot less swing and miss. I think he had like an 8% swinging strike last year. And so I think, I think he's a guy at that spot that I just trust more throughout the entire season to be a guy who plays basically every day and is not getting crowded out by, you know, let's say, Jordan Walker comes up or somebody else for the Cardinals and sort of pushes Tyler O'Neill off to the side. I don't think that I wouldn't surprise me at all if the Cardinals said, you know what, I, we're kind of done with the Tyler O'Neill experience here. Right on. Okay. That's, that's, uh, that's cool. Um, can't really argue with that. Mark, what about you? Uh, I agree with everything Todd said. Uh, it's definitely say a Suzuki for me. I uh, was not on O'Neill last year. Um, Obviously, the power speed upside is undeniable, but a guy who strikes out and swings and misses as often as he does is just naturally going to be a more high-variance player, right? That means fewer balls in play, more susceptible to, you know, good or bad BABIP. Um, so I think those are the kind of players that you want to buy when they're low. Um, and even coming off a bad year, he's still going around the top 100. That just still feels too high to me. Um, I agree with everything Todd said with... Uh, it's getting crowded in St. Louis and they want to win. So he might be on a shorter leash. They got Alec Burleson, they got Brandon Donovan can play outfield. Um, we'll see when Walker gets an opportunity, Carlson. So I just see too much downside as opposed to Suzuki, who is going to get all the playing time he can handle. I trust the approach more. You know, he's got some speed, not quite as much power, but um, it's Suzuki 10 times out of 10 for me. Okay. Um, Nikolai, what do you, what do you say? Yeah, I agree with uh, both those guys. Everything they said is true. I take Suzuki too. Um, you know, I think O'Neill definitely is the sexier pick. You know, he's just he's just an athlete, right? Um, in an OC, you know, I'll since I have FOMO sometimes, I'll probably grab a share just because. But in a DC, um, yeah, I'm taking Suzuki all day. Um, he projected, I think, the back cleanup. I agree with those guys on the, you know where O'Neill could bat in that lineup. I think um, if you buy into the Lars hype, which, you know, I'm a little torn on, I could easily see him batting seventh, um, you know, throughout the year. And his playing time, like they said, is just probably not as guaranteed. 
And I think you get another year of Suzuki um, playing full-time in the MLB. You know, his first year over, he had some injuries, really finished strong. I could see him definitely progressing off of that. So I should have put Lars Neupar in this ADP battle thing. He's like the perfect, he's, like he's like the poster child for like the player movement. But um, we can move on from that. Oh, yeah. He, has, he had his shirt off hitting, hitting bombs know, man, in the cage. I know. Bjorn probably tweeted something about that. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, well, he's up 11 or 12 spots. Um, like his, his ADP, you'll see in the draft room, is 196 versus 184 over the last 12. So um, if I'm just eyeballing this, uh, actually, I've got a good comp there we can do if we, if we have time to it, if we have time for it. But we'll, we'll move on from that for now. Um, on to our next um, ADP battle. And let's choose another guy moving up, um, J.D. Martinez. Now, J.D. Martinez is ADP that you'll see in the draft room is 217. And we're going to compare him against um, Alex Verdugo, whose ADP you'll see is 203. But if you look at J.D. Martinez's ADP over the last 12 drafts, it's 203. And I understand that J.D. Martinez is UT, UT, UT only, and um, Verdugo is in that outfit spot. But um, they're like, J.D.'s creeping up. So let's start with the back uh, end of this conversation that we just ended off with, uh, Nikolai. J.D. or Alex Verdugo in a, in a vacuum? Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to lean J.D. Um, I don't hate Verdugo, but... I like getting a piece of that Dodgers lineup. I think as long as he's healthy, he's going to bat in a pretty good spot. He's got a bunch of studs ahead of him that should be on base. And, you know, I know he's old, and that could fall off a cliff uh, super quick. He still hit the ball pretty well last year. I think he was 87th percentile barrel. Max EV was around 80. I just think he can still be a pretty good hitter. Um, again, I know with old guys it, it falls quick. But on that team, hitting in the middle um, – I think I'm going to lean JT. I know the util only is a negative for some folks, and I get it, but it doesn't scare me off as much at this price. So, um, yeah. All right, Mark, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'll take Verdugo. Uh, the UT only is sort of a deal breaker for me. And, you know, if I was confident that, that JD would be a better hitter, then I, I would probably overlook that. But He's getting old, obviously. He's turning 36. He was a victim of the deadened ball um, as a, you know, opposite field power hitter. Uh, you know, betting on the power coming back with that in mind and with how old he's getting just seems like a, a bad bet to me. Um, the lineup context is obviously good, but I, I also wonder how much he's going to play. The Dodgers have a really deep farm, and they're going to have a lot of guys. Uh, Michael Bush... James Outman, they got a lot of guys that they can try out if, if JD were to get banged up or he might just be bad. You know, he's, he, he's getting old, like like I said, like three times by now. So Verdugo, I feel like he's a better bet for full-time playing time. He's still at a point in his career where he could take a step forward. Um, and I think he's going to at least give you batting average and counting stats volume. So I'll, I'll take Verdugo. All right. Um, I, uh, last time I was... On a podcast, I oh yeah, the Mike the Mouth podcast. They were talking about um, Gunnar Henderson, and I I asked him, I asked Jenny the question, where would you take Gunnar Henderson if he was shortstop only? Because I feel like he's getting pushed up a lot, and um, we're like, okay, like would he go before or after like Horner, Correa, 
paying you that range because he's typically going always ahead of those guys. And it's just the like taking that position um, eligibility consideration out of account really helps you put it in perspective of like, are we overvaluing this player? And I'm going to pose this question. What if JD Martinez was first base eligible? Does it make sense to you that he is going that much later than Jose Abreu? I think that's a good question. I mean, that takes the age argument out of it. Um, but it seems like JD is moving up despite his position, right? Like he's still UT only and he is moving up. He's moving up, but was he, but that was because he was a free agent. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I obviously, like like ADP says, I feel a lot better about Jose Abreu than, than JD Martinez um, because he seems to be entering a lineup and a park where he could have a power bounce back um, unless there's, you know, something I haven't looked at. I don't know if there's a reason to believe in JD having a power bounce back, but I think it's a good question. I think it's um, an interesting way of thinking about JD and where he's going. Right. Now Todd had to step out for a couple of minutes here, so he's going to be back, but we'll, we'll come back to him and get his thoughts on these players, but we're going to move on for now. Um, the next ADP battle that I want to look at is Chris Sale at um, the ADP in the draft room. You'll see is 162. Um, oh, Todd is back. So you didn't miss anything, actually. You, you missed nothing. We, we, we just, um, we were on the JD Martinez versus Alex Verdugo over the last 12 game over the last 12 drafts. They have um, JD Martinez's ADP was 203 versus Alex Verdugo's ADP of 203 as well. But Martinez's ADP in the draft room is 217. So just quickly, Todd, JD Martinez or Alex Verdugo? You're muted. Yeah, there you go. You know, I I think I think I would take JD Martinez. It uh I don't know, maybe it's just an appeal to authority, but it does not strike me as something the Dodgers would do to just sign a guy who's completely washed, right? And I don't know. I I think in that lineup, uh is it crazy to think he does the same thing as like Jose Abreu this year? Are you, were you listening to what we were saying? Because no. it's, it's, it's hilarious. That's really funny, funny because um, when you left, so just for people listening, Todd left. Um, he had to go and um, for five minutes. So as soon as he answered uh, the Tyler O'Neill and Suzuki question, he left and he had to go. And he just came back now. And Nikolai answered the question. He said he'd go with JD Martinez and Mark, Mark, um, said he'd go with Verdugo. And I, and I, I countered with this. I said, when I was in the, when, last time I was on a podcast, I asked Jenny Butler, um, where would Gunnar Henderson go if um, he was shortstop eligible? And um, would he go like after um, Horner, Correa, Pena? And I said, I want to, I want to ask the same thing here. What if JD Martinez was first base eligible? Do you think it makes sense that he is going that much later than Jose Abreu? <laughs> That's what I said. And, and you, and you, just by pure coincidence, made that comparison as well. So obviously, I think we're all in lockstep here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Clearly, it's not a it's not a unique take, but uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously, especially in a DC, that first base can be can still be pretty valuable. But just in terms of the stats you get, I mean, no, I I, I agree, obviously, because I I brought up the same point. Um, it's just a, it's just a, a recency bias, I guess. Like you're taking it, you're taking it out a lot of the noise, like that, you, the, the position, the, 
recency bias of what the performance last year. No, but uh, no, I think it's a good point. So, so far we're like, in both cases, we've been, there's been a heavy lean towards the the riser, the ADP riser over the the, the counterpart who has a, has a earlier ADP um, overall, but hasn't been moving. So let's move on to the next, uh, next one. Chris Sale, um, ADP 162 in the draft room versus Jesus Lazardo, much higher, 147 in the draft room, at least around, uh, he's going at least around ahead of him. But Chris Sale's uh, recent ADP over the last 12 drafts is 156. So not quite there yet, but you, you heard Rob Silver on the Launch Angle podcast, which was very good, and uh, I love listening to him. Um, he talked him up and Sale went for, as soon as that happened, the next auction sale, like his price went up by like 50%. So... Starting again with you, Todd. What do you think about uh, Sale versus Luzardo? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I hate to try to figure out injuries, and that's a lot of what this is, right? But I don't know. Luzardo shows up to spring training with improved stuff, and then you know crushes it for a couple of weeks, and then has a forearm strain. And so I don't know. To me, like there's something about that that just rubs me the wrong way he did come back it seemed like his stuff wasn't as good when he came back yeah uh some of the numbers were okay but the the stuff itself was not as good the sale thing i don't know man i mean the guy probably is kind of a knucklehead all of these injuries i mean i assume they won't let him ride a bike again right like (laughs) i don't know who Who knows knows? so I, i think i'd rather take the shot on chris sale probably Okay, Nikolai, I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna go to you next. Yeah, this one's tough. Um, I can see both sides, and I think the format for me is a is a little dependent because I do think Sale. I could envision a world where he comes back and he's just dominant. I think like Rob Silver talked about on that pod I listened to. Um, it can't be ruled out. Both guys definitely don't have like a great track record track record lately of you know staying healthy. Um, I don't remember the last time I saw Sale pitch. You know more than a few starts in a season, I feel like. But I'm going to go with Zardo just because he's about 10 years younger almost. And I know he didn't finish as strong last year, but I think the velo was still pretty good. Um, I do really like what the Marlins do with their pitchers. And I, I think this guy who was an elite prospect came out finally. And, man, he looks so good those first, like, five starts. Um, I remember taking him in my main and just being so excited, like I had a steal. And then, obviously, it uh, didn't finish that way. But uh, – yeah, I, I can really see both. And plus, Sale, he seems like he's on like the, you know, if Vegas had odds on, you know, who's most likely to pull like a Kanye type thing off the field, it's <laughs> it's just got to be that guy. So Don't, I just, don't draft douchebags. He'd be, he'd be on the douchebag list for sure. It, it's a safe rule, man. It's a, it's You can't uh, forget about that stuff sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah, it's intangibles. Oh, okay, Mark? Uh, it's it's Sale for me. Um I just I don't trust Lizardo. I never have. I think just following his sort of career arc as a prospect, his his prospect stock has kind of gone up and down. And um, like Todd laid out, his his stuff and his health has also fluctuated. I don't think he's really proven that he can handle that big of a workload. So I think that kind of evens out any uncertainty about how many innings Sale is going to give you. And given Sale's age and just his track record of being an ace, I feel a lot better betting on betting on him being out there and the Red Sox just riding him because he's not, you know, somebody to protect. You know, his injuries were were weird shit, right? Like falling off a bike he broke was his wrist or his pinky or something. 
Um, you know, it's not elbow stuff. Um, Lizardo, I again, I just I, I don't trust the stuff. I, I think he's he's like a sex pig, right? He's he's the lefty exactly. who, who throws ninety nine. He's got a hammer curveball and it looks sick when he when he goes out there and gets eight strikeouts. But Sale is just so much more proven. I'll I'll take him for sure. And you forgot to mention that Sale is actually on a good team. Right. Yeah. Wins. So and a lot of people aren't giving them credit for that. And, and Lazardo isn't. Um, Sale, like... Wait a I second, think, the Red Sox are good? They are good? You know, you know what? I think they might be better. Shout out to Jason DuPont. Okay. First first of all, Jason DuPont. Um, I think the Red Sox are going to finish higher than the Yankees this year. Ooh. Because well, guess, I, guess what? I'll just, we'll, talk, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to Jason right now. He's not coming on, but I'll talk to him through the podcast. Two for five, baby. We're two for five already on... on you know what I'm talking about? Two for five. Starting pitchers going down on the on the Yankees because Cortez just went down today. Not oh, I don't think right. it was, I don't yeah. think it was terrible, but Montez Cortez and it's only a matter it's a ticking time bomb. Carlos Rodon biggest bust uh, in fantasy baseball this year. Whoa, it's, it's going to be three for five soon, and then all you got left is what Cole and who's the other guy? Cole and um, who's the other pitcher? Look. Wait a second, though. But who? Severino. Severino. Oh, yeah. oh, yes. oh, Severino. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's it's going to be a contest to see who go, who goes down first between Rodon and Severino, right? I mean, I I hear you on that, but I feel like the Red Sox rotation is not sketchy and iffy. But they got they got guys coming up. They got they got options. They got they got Bello and and um, they got a bunch of guys in the um, and Hawk. I mean, I like Whitlock and stuff. If he actually like you know is a full time starter, I think his stuff's really good. But are they actually gonna? They got depth, though. Who knows how that the, Red, the Red Sox have depth. Yeah, uh, Brandon, Brandon Walter, Brian Mata. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, I'll take the Red Sox over the Orioles. I think a lot of people like it. Seems like consensus is that the Orioles are better than the Red Sox, and I don't agree with that at all. Um, better than the Yankees. That's that's a bold take for sure. I don't know about that one. All right, let's move on. Um, we're done there. Yeah, let's move on to the next one. Okay. Will Myers. Will Myers, in, the, in your draft, you'll see him have an ADP of 327. And a lot of these guys that I'm listing, I just put them in the queue to, so I don't forget them because they're buried so much. Um, versus Lourdes Gurriel at 236. So that's like 100, 100 ADP difference. However, if you look at the last 12 drafts, Will Myers has an ADP of 235 versus Lourdes Gurriel of 236. So they're almost bang on if you're looking recently. So start with, let's start back with you, Mark. Um, Will Myers or Lourdes Gurriel? Yeah, this one I, I had less of a strong opinion on. I don't really like either of them. Um, and I, given the fact that I just said I liked Verdugo, I guess Gurriel has a similar profile, but it's a little bit more crowded in that Arizona outfield. I could see Thomas taking a step and uh, you know maybe Kyle Lewis takes some DH at-bats from Gurriel. That's where he's penciled in on roster resource. So uh, I don't feel great about his playing time. I also don't feel great about Will Myers' playing time. I, the helium for him seems like a little bit of an overreaction to mm-hmm. everybody, everybody saying this is the next Brandon Drury. That, I don't know about that. Um, he's never really played a lot. You know, he's always going down with some sort of injury. So I guess, I guess I would still take Myers, but hopefully neither for me. All right, Nikolai. Yeah, I kind of agree with him. I don't feel strongly about either one of them. I'm going to go Lourdes too. Um, Last year, weird year, um, I feel like, with them. But I feel like he's pretty solid. Bad for good batting average, 20, ho- 20 homers. I, I kind of trust that. I trust 
they got some young guys in Arizona, but I, I do trust his playing time for the most part. Myers, I don't know. I'm just not a huge fan of him. Um, it's a good park for sure. Um, that team's rebuilding, and I don't know. They, I know they just brought like Will Benson over. Um, maybe they have some guys that can creep into Myers' playing time as the year goes on. So, yeah, I'll go Lourdes, uh, but I don't feel great about it. A little dirty about it. All right, Todd. Yeah, I don't really have confidence that either of these guys will have full-time jobs after the all-star break. Um, I don't know. I feel like a bet on Guriel's a little bit of a bet that he just, his wrist wasn't right in the second half last year. I mean, that's why he just did not hit for any power at all. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think I agree with Mark that I'm probably not taking either guy. I think I'd maybe prefer, I'd probably lean Will Myers a little bit because there's a chance that he runs. There's a chance that he's an everyday player for longer than Guriel, but um, I mean, both of them are like really bad defensively and probably don't hit well enough to be full-time players for a decent team. And so it's hard to imagine, I mean, either of these teams really having any reason to stick with these guys through the end of the season, but who knows? Okay. Uh, next one we're going to go to is uh, Jorge Mateo who has an ADP in your draft room of 214 versus Colton Wong's 243. But if you look at Mateo's um, last 12 drafts, he's 244, so almost right in line with Wong's uh, year-to-date ADP. And this is a case of somebody falling in Mateo. So let's go to Mark. What do you think about that? Two players that, um, I guess the playing time's a question too for both. Yeah, these are two more guys I really want no part of uh, hard no on Jorge Mateo always um, that's a don't don't draft bad players rule right he's a sub 300 OBP that's I know he's good on defense and the Orioles had good things to say about him but that's just not a player who deserves every day at bats in, in my opinion despite the speed he can bring to your team um, so hard no on Mateo I guess I'll take Wong but I think wasn't there some indications recently that he's going to get platooned possibly with uh, Dylan Moore? So I don't think he's getting full-time playing time, but I think if you have him on your lineup, you might be able to plug him in when he's facing a string of righties and he might get you some power and some speed. So I'll take Wong. Okay. Todd? Yeah, I mean, I think I go Colton Wong here. I. I sort of full disclosure, I watch a lot of Mariners games because I live up here in the Pacific Northwest. And, you know, Adam Frazier got 602 plate appearances for a good Mariners team last year because uh, they just they did not really have any other options that they trusted. In. And I think Colton Wong is better than Adam Frazier. And I think that he probably just steps into that role. It's a little weird that he was so terrible defensively last year compared to his previous reputation. And if he continues to be that terrible, then maybe it does make a lot of sense to, to just platoon him with Dylan Moore. But I also think Dylan Moore steals some plate appearances from JP Crawford, who's also uh, not a very good hitter at all. Uh, and so I think that Colton Wong will still get enough volume to be at least viable. But I mean, I don't, I don't love the pick. Okay. Nikolai? Yeah, I agree. I will not own either one of these guys for sure. Um, so me saying Mateo is is just strictly because I envision a draft where, you know, I'm taking them 
literally just for steals. And we all need to do that spec steals sometimes, uh, even with bad players, because he is an awful hitter. Um, you know, you don't need to have a good on-base percentage with a guy like him. He's going to run. He's one of the fastest guys in the league. And while defense doesn't matter in Roto, it matters that they probably are going to keep him on the field a lot because he is really good defensively. And again, so this is strictly a guy that can give me 25 to 30 steals, I think, still. Um, and that's the only reason I'm taking him. Um, and I don't think Wong is getting, like, massive runs plus RBIs or anything like that either. So, again, it, it would just be because roster construction, I decided to take a dude for steals. And, and that's strictly the only reason. So, Right on. Okay. Um, let's go to uh, Jordan Walker versus Josh Jung. Jordan Walker's ADP in the draft room is 248. Jong is 218, which is quite a, at least over a round gap. But if you look over the last 12 drafts, Jordan Walker's 228. So a lot closer. He's moving up, but we're, we're not sure if he's going to be up. So Mark, let's go to you on that first. Um, I have one Jordan Walker, I think, out of 10 drafts and zero Josh, Josh Young, but I would rather take Young going forward. Um, just clear path to playing time, right? We know he's going to get a pretty long runway to try to be their everyday third baseman. I, as a prospect, I wasn't super into him. So I think he might have a limited ceiling and, you know, I think we can chalk up last year's struggles to coming back a little soon from that shoulder surgery. Walker, just so many things need to go right for him to come up, to stay up, to play well, to stave off all the competition he's got. Um, you know, Juan Yepes is another guy that I forgot to bring up earlier when we were talking about how crowded St. Louis is. He's in another one of the battles here, so you don't. Uh, we can talk about oh, him. Oh, that's soon. right. That's uh, foreshadowing. Um, so yeah, Josh, Josh Young for me. All right, Todd. Yeah, and that's a tough one. I I think I haven't taken either guy in any of the DCs I've done. I think that I wouldn't mind taking Jordan Walker, but I would want him to slide a little bit further than where he's going. I mean, where he's going right now, I think that there's a lot of options that I'm really confident. I have playing time and also power speed and also, um, you know, offer that certainty. Walker, kind of like Mark said, there's a lot of hurdles that he's got to get over. Um, I don't I don't even think he's on the 40-man roster yet. Um, and, you know, I think every once in a while, I don't know, I have fallen victim to the idea of like oh there's just no way that this monster prospect is possibly gonna uh you know fight his way through the crowd to make to the majors and every once in a while they do right and so i don't know he feels like a guy that i would maybe have some fomo on if suddenly you know spring training comes and it becomes much more obvious that he's gonna make the team because at least you know from I don't know, from the people that I trust that know prospects, he seems like he could immediately be like a power speed guy who would be eligible at third base and outfield and, you know, could potentially be a monster. Whereas Young, I don't know, man, like that shoulder thing must have really screwed him up because he didn't hit for power last year and he swung and missed at everything. And he wasn't like a super sexy prospect to begin with. I, I don't know. I, I think I would take Walker. Right. And Nikolai, I think I know who you, you're probably going to take Walker. eh? <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I have a share or two of Walker already. Seems um, like your style. That was earlier seems like, on. Seems like your style. Yeah. That was earlier on too. His price was a little more tolerable yeah. uh, when the DCs first started, when it started to creep up, I've kind of shied off on 
you know, making sure to kind of target him in these DCs. Um, I'm still going to lean him though. Cause I just think undoubtedly he's the better player. Uh, I never been a junk fan. I've, I've never owned him. I probably don't plan on owning him this year. I know he's slotted into, you know, start from day one, which matters in a DC for sure. Um, and, you know, I think Todd just mentioned it. Sometimes we look at it and go, well, how, how on earth is Walker actually going to get some PAs? And it seems like a tall task right now, but I mean, he looks like the type of player that could just make noise and actually just force the Cardinals to be like, Hey, we're really going to keep this kid down. So it's tough sitting here on what February 13th and trying to project when he's going to come up, but spring training with somebody like him is going to be huge. You just kind of see how that shakes out. Okay. Um, I'm not doing this on purpose, but there just seems to be a lot of Red Sox in these player debates. And the next one we're going to go to is um, Adam Duvall. ADP 449 versus Juan Yepes, who we just talked about, is of uh, 315. So it's a huge gap in their ADP. But if you look over the last 12 drafts, Duvall's ADP is 330. So they're not too far off. Um, let's just go right back to you, uh, Nikolai. What are, your, what are your thoughts on those two guys? Yeah, um... Again, probably not two players I'm going to own a whole lot of. Um, I'm actually going to lean Duvall here, I think. Um, I used to have a just probably a stupid crush on Duvall. Like, I know he strikes out a ton and whatnot, but I used to own a lot of them uh, over the last few years. But um, I think that park really is suited for his swing. Um, I think, you know, he's lost a little bit on his, you know, exit velocities and stuff. I think, I don't know. I could see that bouncing back a little bit. And um, yeah, I think it's just the park. I think, I don't know what his playing time is going to look like for sure. Um, again, I probably won't own him too much, but um, I guess I'm probably willing to take a, a shot on him, maybe hitting 30 home runs again. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility if things went right. I mean, his average is going to be awful, but um, again, all these guys are going to have holes at this point. So, Right. Mark? Um, yeah, I'll go Duvall also. Um, common theme for me, obviously, is I'm I'm just trying to get playing time. So Duvall, I think he's their everyday center fielder right now. I took him in my last DC at pick 386. I, I loved him there. I think you're saying in the last 12, he's at 330. That's kind of pushing it. But if they're going to need him to play center field, then he's going to get a lot of playing time. And Yepes is kind of a guy with no defensive home in that crowded situation that I've been talking about a lot. Um, so it sounds like I'm just fading the St. Louis outfield and DH entirely because I don't know who's going to come out of that battle. But, uh, yeah, I'll take Duval. I'll take the power upside and the playing right. time. Fading Pujols too? Uh, Pujols could come back. I, I'll have some Pujols. <laughs> All right, Todd, what are you, what are you, what are you, who are you picking? Man, do you remember last year when the Zips projection came out for the Braves and Adam Duvall's median projection was like 115 RBI or something? It was something yeah. like mm-hmm. it didn't even make mathematical <laughs> sense. That, that I don't, know they, <laughs> I don't they remember that, but I don't doubt it. I do. Do you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I. You know. I. I don't know. I. I think I'd lean Yepes here. There's like some. It's sort of a mixed profile, right? Because it's like he's got max exit velo. But then, uh, you know, some of his like, uh, like 95th percentile and 90th percentile, you start to break it down like that. He actually doesn't hit the ball as hard as as you might think. Um, I think he he does a good job of pulling the ball in the air, which seems to be like a St. Louis thing to do. I do think that he's 
at serious risk of losing playing time, right? And it's kind of concerning that he had like a 41% O swing last year. Like he just kind of swung at everything. So I think he's a guy that probably could get easily figured out. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I yeah, I could see taking new ball in a DC. Like like these guys said, at 330 here, you are looking for playing time, but I, I think there's other guys in that range that have playing time and also are a little more certain than a, a 35-year-old center fielder who is probably washed but will play. Uh, but I don't know. All right. Question for the two people that uh, said they'd take Duvall. So Mark and Nikolai, would you, like in terms of DC strategy, would you actually reach and take Duvall with the still on the board or would you play the chicken game? Like Todd, you said you'd take the uh, anyway. So that question sort of not relevant to you, but do, for you guys, do you play the game there? Like, do you say, do you, do you treat certain players as, as like a buffer and saying, okay, well, Yepes is still on the board. So I figured if I like Duvall better, somebody's going to cave and take Yepes first. So I'm going to wait. Mark, what are you, are you waiting? Or are you just going to say, I'm going to take the player that I want? Um, If I want an outfielder in that range, then I'm, I'm looking at the ADP board and I'm looking at who else is going around there. Who else is going to go the next few rounds and, and sort of deciding that way. Um, I'm sort of, I'm just off you Pez in general. So I think if I'm looking at that, it's, you know, even Duvall in the last two weeks is 322. So he, he is getting up there. I'll, I would probably just pass on both and grab an outfielder around 350. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Leody Tavares. If I want an unexciting guy with playing time, maybe Avi Garcia. So I think just given that there's guys with equal upside, which feels like the an inappropriate word to say about these guys. Um, I would pass on both, probably. All right. What about you, Nikolai? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to reach. I get your question. I'm not going to reach for like Duvall in this situation, but if it's a guy, you know, I'm in on, um, yeah, I'm going to just take him. I hate playing the chicken game. I hate getting sniped and, you know, thinking, oh, hey, he'll be back in the next, you know, 15, 30 picks, whatever you think it might be. Um, I get it. It's smart. Sometimes it works out. That's great. But if I'm really in on a guy, I'm, I'm probably I'm just going to take him at that time or even jump him. I I try not get too married to ADP. Depending on the scenario, it's 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 important to look at. But uh, you know, I might look like an idiot. I'm not afraid to jump a guy if I'm really in on him a couple of rounds. It's just my style, I guess, a little bit more sometimes. But cool. All right, let's try to fly through. I think we got two or three left here. Um, another Red Sox, um, Masataka Yoshida. Um, his ADP in the draft room is 313, but that's skewed. We all know that. Um, we compare him to Jeff McNeil at 203, but Matsuzaka's ADP, Masataka, whatever, cares, his ADP over the last 12 drafts is 215. So they're pretty close. So really, if you're, if you have a hat on your shoulders and you're doing these DCs and you're doing a lot of them, it's, you're, you're making a decision between the two of them. If, if, if you want, if those are the two you're between, who you taking? Uh, Todd, who do you like more? Man, like Yoshida's projections are kind of wild, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like it, it feels a little bit like I'm, I don't know. I he, I don't think he's the same, going to be actually the same type of player, but it reminds me a little bit of the Shogo Akiyama thing where like Akiyama came over and was projected for like a 300 batting average and to be lead off for the Reds. And, the, you know, there were questions about his power or whatever. 
Yoshida, it's like there's these reports that his swing is geared for power or that he can, uh, you know, that he'll be able to hit for power once he gets over here. But I don't know that the dude is like he's listed at what five foot eight, one seventy six. He hit twenty one home runs last year and twenty one home runs the year before. I, so I don't know, like how much power is he gonna hit for? Maybe maybe he does hit a bunch of doubles and they seem it seems convincing that he's gonna lead off. Uh, so I I mean. I don't know. I these are not two guys that I would take because it's mostly a batting average play at a spot where I think it's a little too early to to take that type of guy. But I I guess I would take Yoshida just because we kind of know what McNeil is, and I feel I, I think it's it's not hard to imagine McNeil ending up in a platoon pretty pretty quickly uh, after the start of the season, right? And so then at that point he's like a platoon bat that is really only good for batting average and is not super useful at that point. So well, I guess all that to say, I don't really buy the Yoshida thing, but uh, I, I don't know, like shrug emoji. Maybe, maybe he does something, maybe it's those projections and is, is worth it. But I, I don't know. It's a, it's a price play for you in the DCs. Like if he falls. Yeah. Mark? Yeah. If he fell, if he fell, then yeah, absolutely. Mark. Yeah. I'll, I'll take Yoshida. Uh, I don't know. It's been hard to figure out how I feel about Yoshida because all the, the reports before he signed was that, oh, this guy's not very good and he's not going to get that big of a contract. And then all of a sudden Boston gives him a very big contract and they say that, you know, they believe in the power and people are saying they overpaid. So I don't really know what to believe. Um, the projections look good, but I got to imagine there's a lot of guesswork going into projections for a player coming from overseas. So it's really just comes down to me not wanting McNeil. I, I think we know what he is at this point. We know that 2019 was a huge outlier in power and we're not going to see that again. So, uh, you know, Brett Beatty is going to get some at-bats in that infield. Um, maybe like Todd said, that means Escobar gets some some reps at second against, uh, against lefties. So um, I guess I'll just take the unknown and the guy who seems like he's going to lead off all year in Yoshida. All right, Nikolai? I guess I'm going the other way here. I actually like McNeil... Uh... Kind of a decent amount. Maybe I'm crazy in DCs, but um, this is strictly for the DCs. I like the eligibility of second and outfield. Um, I know I was just talking about JD and, you know, being okay with you, Till, but I do really like getting a guy like that in a DC sometimes that you can, you know, throw around. Um, I, I get the power. I, I don't believe the 23 homers either. Um, I have no idea what to think of Yoshida. I understand the projections are all about it. But man, those projections got him as like a top 25 player, essentially. And maybe he is. I, I know nothing about him, so I, I can't really speak on it at all. Um, McNeil could lead the league in batting average, and I'm, I'm not one that wants to chase a guy just for that. Um, but can you still hear me? Did we freeze here? No, we're, I think we're here. Oh, sorry. You froze, and I was just making I sure. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're good. Probably on my end. Um, anyways, so McNeil. Um, yeah, I like the flexibility, and I think they get him projected to bat fifth. I could actually see him being an okay source of RBIs there at, at middle infield, honestly. Again, I don't think he has huge power, but um, I could see 10 to 15 homers still, and I actually think he's going to play all the time. I think they just gave him 50 million bucks here, uh, like on February 1st, and I don't think they're throwing that. Not that that's a huge amount, but I also don't think he's done anything – in the past to them um 
to have them not question them. And if they got them projected about fifth right now, at least roster resource does. I, yeah, I kind of like McNeil uh, in a DC. All right. I haven't really weighed in on any of these, but I'll give you a reason each way. I'm not, I'm not going to pick one, but I just give you two, two, two thoughts and you can comment on it. One, why are we taking uh, Yoshida if at that point when there are similar players and I feel like we've, we've collectively assigned very limited upside for his home runs and stolen bases. So why not just take someone that we, we know you're going to get? On the other hand, there's a quote from Gus Quattlebaum uh, on uh, December 24th. He's the pre- president of scouting development from the Red Sox. He said, it started with batting practice when we saw it in a game, and it was just not what I was expecting. He's a little guy. We've always loved the approach. I just wasn't expecting that kind of raw power, he said, of the five foot eight, 175-pound Yoshida. There was a discrepancy in the industry and what people think of the power. That was the thing that stood out to us. Couple that with the swing and take decisions. It's a slash and dash, hit the ball. Um, it's not a slash and dash, hit the ball on the ground and beat it out. It's more of a Western swing with the ability to lift the ball and with surprising raw power. It changed the calculus for us as evaluators. So those are two sort of like um, diver- diverging things where it's like, okay, well, I don't know. I'm telling you how I feel. And I sort of think like, I sort of feel like the consensus is feeling the same way as me. It's like uh, safe average play, like going to get you good stats all around, but not much upside for fantasy. But then you hear like rave reviews from the Red Sox scouting development. So I don't know. I think that's a point for and against. Um I don't know. I'm not really saying who I would prefer, but that's just, um, I don't know if you, I don't know if hearing those two things sort of give you any more ideas on things to say about them. Yeah. I'll say that I think one potential differentiator is that Yoshida is supposed to have a really good approach. He's supposed to have uh, double digit walk rates. Um, his OB, the OBP projections are insanely high. So if, if he really is going to be a leadoff hitter with those type of OBPs, he could get 80, 90 plus runs. Um, so, you know, whether or not you believe what Boston's saying about their own players' power, it just feels like there's more upside there, but I could be wrong. All right, cool. Um, let's go. I think there's two left here. One of them is going to be premium because I actually think that this last one is like the biggest pricing discrepancy or mispriced player in the in the recent um drafts that's that are going on but we'll go to the second last one this is not the one that's going to be taken out because i still i still want that value on the, the other guy this one is as oscar collis versus oswald peraza so collis has an adp of 389 peraza is 328 so a good 60 pick difference but if you look at the last 12 drafts collis has an adp of 320 which is actually ahead of peraza both players that are going to be rookies for all intensive purposes not both unsure of their role coming in, unsure that they're even going to make the team. Peraza, I guess, has played in the majors before, um, but you get what I mean. So let's go with you, Nikolai. What do you think? Who you who are you taking? And if you're taking Collis, are you re- are you actually going to reach on him over Peraza? Yeah, I'm going to take Peraza. I've actually taken a decent amount of them so far. Um, I get that he's both have question marks as far as are they going to make the team right out of spring training or not. Um, I really like Peraza's power speed potential. Um, I, I mean, I think we're all out on IKF. I don't think anybody's thinking he's, you know, stopping anybody. And I know there's, uh, Volpe, who's also a huge prospect in the minors for the Yanks, but 
I doubt he's getting a real run in spring training. I could be wrong. We'll see how it shakes out. Um, so I kind of expect Oswald to, since he was up last year, to at least start from day one. And um, I like his. Again, he's too young. You know, we, last year such a small sample. I can't really go off too much in the majors, but if you just look at the minors, he does profile somebody who could be, you know, a good twenty twenty guy. And um, obviously, Yankee Stadium, that team. I, I'm kind of gonna lean him in this scenario. Yeah, IKF is uh, DTM. Dead to me. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. All right, like Todd. That. Todd, what do you think? Yeah, I think both guys are pretty interesting. I uh, I like Peraza. I, maybe I'm reading between the lines a little bit too much, but it does seem like some of the comments from the Yankees suggest that he is the front runner for that job to start the season, and that they want him to to be the starting shortstop on opening day. Um, you know, maybe maybe the leash is a little bit shorter with Volpe. You know, Volpe just bust down the door, right? But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting profile. There's, uh, I think, I think Rob DiPietro mentioned the other day, like there's sort of shades of Jeremy Pena here, where uh, you know, he's I don't know if he has 20 homer power. It seems like maybe a little bit more speed than power, but he's really good defensively. And uh, I don't know, it strikes me as a guy that could just be the starting shortstop on opening day and just kind of run with it, especially in like a, if I was drafting a fab league right now, I'd be awfully tempted to take both he and Volpe together maybe, and then just keep whoever has the job on opening day for that first fab run possibly. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, kn- I know a little bit less about Colas. It, it seems like, you know, their comments are a little bit uh, a little bit weirder because it's like at the beginning of the offseason, it seemed super obvious that he was going to make the team. And then they go out and, and give a bunch of money to Benintendi. Uh, I mean, I think that he still probably is in the mix, but I, I'm less certain of it. I feel pretty confident, I think, that Peraza is at least going to get a shot to start and that he's good enough to stick around. Well, um. All right. Do we, sorry, I'm, I do we still have Nikolai to go here? Mark, we need Mark. No, Mark. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just I'm I'm distracted. I'm I'm pulling up quotes for both of these players, so I got a little bit distracted. So go ahead, last person here, um, Mark. Yeah, I'm I'm on Peraza too. I I got fifty percent five out of my ten drafts so far. Uh, that being said, I just got denied him in my current DC. He just went off the board at two. 87. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I especially you're in DC. That's crazy to people like us, like especially me and Todd, because like we sort of play the the value game. Like I know I'm going to do at least 10, 15 of these, so I'm not going to reach several rounds for him. So yeah. I say it's crazy, but if again, if a guy's doing one DC or a girl um, is doing one <laughs> DC, um, then like get your guys right. Yeah. So. I- that's you know i guess if you really like him you're gonna have to like him about that much going forward but yeah boone boone had a lot of good things to say about him in his brief you know stint last year he seemed really impressed i said he you know he wasn't phased he showed a little pop and he was really good on defense so i'm i'm willing to bet on him getting that starting job i'm a little nervous because i know ikf and donaldson are still there and the yankees tend to prefer veterans but uh I think I got more questions about Colossus hit tool and, and path to playing time. So yeah, I like Peraza. 
Yeah. So two quotes from this week that I have. Um, this is what I was pulling up. That's why I sort of lost my uh, focus here for a second. But um, Peraza, um, hitting coach Dylan Lawson says he has exit velocities. He has the exit velocity. He, he has the contact and the bat-to-ball skills for him. It's refining his plate discipline and making sure that the, uh, the ball flight is good. Um, more often than not, it's happening in a way that's um, getting good results. It's not only when he squares it up. When he misses it or makes a mistake, or makes a mistake, he's able to have good results even when his timing isn't perfect. So basically, he's pretty skilled. That was from the athletics. So you probably, you guys probably saw that one. Um, but Chicago Suns Times had something on Collis this this past the a week ago. Also, this is um, international scouting chief Marco Patti. He said he's going to show the people he's a bona fide major league player um, who is watching Collis play since he was 15. He's hungry for that opportunity. The results are going to be something special. So obviously both teams love their own players, right? No surprise there. Um, all right. Last one here. Um, and this is one where I don't, like, I think it's just such a price mispricing between these two players that I want to keep capitalizing on it, even if it's a little advantage and I mean, it's not going to be on the regular podcast. I want to take it out, but I'll tell you guys and whatever. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, again, this this is one that just puzzles me. Um, so, so I mean, I think I, I think I know at least one reason. This one does seem to be, at least in the drafts that I've done in the last couple of weeks, does seem to be a game of chicken, where I can. It's hard for me to tell who's waiting. To, and there's some drafts where somebody's willing to kind of jump in, and so that may have played into it. Too, I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what your guys' thoughts are. Maybe, maybe it's a wasted pick, but maybe it might be. Mark, but for where go. for where he goes, yeah. Nikolai, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think I think the the saw him go in one of my DCs recently, and I totally blanked on him too. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, right. He's uh, I think that team will be better, and. And just just to clarify, like I'm not saying either of them are amazing picks because DCs are what they are, but I'm just saying relative. Like if 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 after that, that part doesn't make sense to me. Just that vacuum comparison between the two players, assuming that like NFBC players are pretty smart and they know what to do with. What I have to say it, on that. And I mean, I think you reach you can reach a point in these DCs where, especially if you you should take a shot on one or two of these guys who we get past pick 500 or whatever you're sort of choosing between whether you want uh prospects who at some point are going to come up or your relievers or you know the really terrible starters or <laughs> maybe you take a shot on uh we're going kind of long but let's get let's get into the true truth and a lie and then we, and if we get done that we can talk about some other team composition, diversification, group things. So let's just get into the game that I was going to end with. And uh, maybe we'll end with this. Maybe we'll, we'll do something else. But um, so basically what this is, is, is manager quotes. Two of them are true. One of them I made up or I modified in some way. So let's go with the first set of um, quotes. Number one, Framber Valdez, Dana Brown, the new um, GM said he really wanted to pitch, but we recommended that he not. Um, so he's not playing in the WBC because of, um, I guess, workload or injury precautions. Next one is um, 
man, I'm stupid, but uh, okay. He's showing this is an Oscar Collis. I think we've already talked about this one. <laughs> this is from the international scouting chief. He's going to show people he's a bona fide major league player. Um, he's hungry for that opportunity. The results are going to be something special when he gets a shot, hopefully around the all-star break. Number three. That one sounds believable. <laughs> okay. I think he made it up earlier. Number three is Bobby Miller. Hong Kong. Bobby Miller, Will Rhymes, the director of player development, says it's kind of shocking the big adjustments he's able to make, which just speaks uh, to his athleticism that can, uh, and coordination. He's obviously knocking on the door. So which one's not true? Bramber. Bramber, did you make up the... I thought those WBC were all true. They, they did say that about Framber, so now I'm confused. Which one's the false? I don't know. Well, if you were listening carefully, I laughed because I, I didn't remember that I used this quote, the Oscar Collis quote, but I did change the Collis quote okay. in, the, in oh, this game. <laughs> I know, I'm tricky. I said, I ended it, and then um, he'll be something when he gets a shot, hopefully around the All-Star break. The hopefully around the All-Star break thing is false because – um, I think the quote's alluding to that he's going to be like, they think he's going to be potentially ready soon. So that, that one's false. The Framber thing is true. So that quote that he's not playing anymore because of workload. And, and I think I also heard something about it, like a shoulder thing too. So that's kind of like, I don't know if, what you, if you make anything of that with the Framber thing, the Bobby Miller thing's true. That was just in the athletic recently. I think yesterday or the day before. I don't know. You guys off of Framber? I guess that's really the only takeaway here. The other two are just prospect, um, people creaming over their prospects, but the Framber thing, he's not playing like him, Freddie Peralta. You're, you're hearing, you're hearing Kershaw still playing, but Fram, they're not letting Framber play and Peralta. Does that give you any pause to those two guys? Uh, I'm not on either of them personally at Framber. I'd be fine with um, depending on if there's any, you know, real injury behind him, not pitching in the WBC. I think they said, you know, they had the long postseason and they just want to ease him back into it. Um, but just from like more of a zoomed out view of Framber, it just feels like he's coming off what could be a career year and the price. It's probably a buy high, which I'm not as willing to do with the limited strikeout upside. Uh, Peralta, I just I don't trust his his shoulder at all. So I'm just totally off him. That's fair. That's fair on the shoulder. Um, all right. Want to move on to the next the second one? This one's getting bleeped out because this info is just too good. Um Okay, first one, Casey Schmidt on the Giants, third base prospect. This is from Gabe Kapler. Um, Casey Schmidt has taken some major strides in the organization. If you ask people around our camp, we feel that he's um, among our top few position player prospects that has a chance to make an impact on our roster in 2023 and then hopefully for a lot of years to come. Number two is uh, James Paxton from, from Heim Bloom. Um, until we get a little closer uh, and we know exactly where he's at, I'd want to say, any, I, I I don't want to say anything definitively. I will say that somebody at that stage of his career and um, that he's that he's at and having been through as much medically as he's been through, adding the variable of asking him to do something he hasn't really done uh, uh, something before um, that he hasn't really done is something that we would have to think long and hard before doing that is putting him in the bullpen. Hockey is likely to have the inside track over Paxton in the rotation. And that's from Heim Bloom. 
Number three is on Andrew Painter from the Phillies. This is from Caleb Cotham, their pitching coach. And, he's, and this is from the Philadelphia Inquirer. I think the the Paxton one is false. I think the part about him, you said you said Hauk having the inside track yeah. on Paxton. I think that part's false. I think he's going to be in the bullpen. And it just doesn't line up with him saying they don't want to ask Paxton to pitch out of the pen. So I think that one's yeah. false. Yeah, you guys are yeah, right. I think you're right on. Yeah. Yeah, the correct quote is um, is about him being in the bullpen. Instead of the Hawk has the inside track, he just says it, that doesn't rule it out. So he's saying, basically, he doesn't rule out Paxton being in the bullpen, but he didn't say the Hawk has the inside track on him. The other two things are true. Um, Casey Schmidt could be um, somebody like your Encarnacion Strand type pick. Like People are in on that guy. Um, I just started learning a little bit about him recently. And the the painter thing's interesting and true as well. That was from an Inquirer, Philadelphia Inquirer article, which Yeah, he's gonna be fascinating to see like what actually transpires there in, in spring training because I haven't touched him at all, not because I don't think he's gonna be a stud one day, but just that price point, I don't know, just seems a little crazy right now until I get more info. Um, I mean I get chasing, you know, a potential strider type right that has this massive effect uh on not only the league but in overall but i don't know i just have too many question marks at this point to be touching them there yeah, yeah. i think i think even i don't know is that a ceiling uh, depending on how they spread those out across the year if they do have them up right away then that's probably going to mean a lot of short outings probably a lot of four inning outings you know fewer chances at wins that's putting a lot of pressure on him just being absolutely dominant to give you any sort of value. Um, I looked at um, how many times he went back out for the sixth inning, which I know is you know deeper than the fifth, but um, he only did it eight times all year, but he did do it in six of his last eight. And it was a, a span of six in a row, six games in a row. He went out for the sixth inning and went deeper than five. So I think he proved he could do that, but I think people are focused more on him for obvious reasons when there's a guy like Brandon Fott, for example, who went back out for the sixth inning 19 times last year and pitched 167 innings. Hmm. So I think that's the kind of guy that you want to focus on because he's way more likely to come up, be a mid-rotation arm. You know, the ceiling is not close to Harrison or Painter or, or Grayson, but he could be ready to be a mid-rotation starter like right now. That's a fair point. What What about uh, Tiedemann, like 300 picks later? I think I'd much rather just take that guy and has similar innings in the minors. And I don't know. I see a, I see a path there where I think Kikuchi's trash. I don't, I don't even consider him somebody you have to worry about in the rotation. And Zach, I don't know. I think you're a Blue Jays fan, obviously. So I'd like to hear your take on him. But I've been taking him a lot because I think his stuff is ridiculous too. And I know there's innings concerns, of course, with them too. I don't expect them to like throw 150 innings, but the Blue Jays also have a track record with like Manoa. Different build, I get it. He's a little older, of course, but they weren't afraid to increase his workload fairly fast. Um, I don't know. I think, again, I'm just more because he's going around pick like 500 and something. I actually could see him maybe getting like 15 good starts in the year. Maybe, but. Uh, I haven't taken him. Um, he's sort of been a blind spot for me. I was never 
maybe I didn't know enough about him before the season started and I started drafting, but um, is he on the 40 man? Um, he's, not, he's, not, he's not, he's not, he's not, so he's not on the 40 man. He's non roster invitee. Um, however, the Jays really have a hole in that fifth spot in the rotation. Kikuchi's garbage. Um, like I can't, and they, and they want to win and they're going to spend money. Um, so I, I see some prospects getting called up sooner than later, but then again, the Jays, they also have that Zuleta guy and they've got Nate Pearson yep. who like probably isn't going to be a starter, but, um, they have him and they have anyone else like they've no, not really Mitch white. No. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just a gut thing. I don't see him being a big impact guy. I have not drafted him. He's really young, not on the 40 man. They got Pearson, that, that, that Zuleta guy, or however you pronounce it. Like he's a guy that I'm learning about too. Um, so no, but you guys, you guys have any other guys taking uh, Teeterman? Really quick, I'll just add, Nick Pollock did a breakdown. I can't think of where it was. On, uh, he had a compelling reason on why he thought Tiedemann could actually um, see some legit time this year. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll shut up, and if, you, if you're interested, maybe yeah, I am. try to I find am. that. Send it, send it to me. I did not see it. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, there's, no way, there's no way I would have seen that. So, um yeah, sure. no, send it over. Send it over. I would have. Um, I'm interested to read that. But no, he's, he, he's sort of a blind spot, young, not on the forty man, and um, where he's going. I just like a lot of other um, prospects, like pitching prospects, better. I have my guy. I have my guys. I like. like, I yeah, like I'll I'll uh, say I, I like uh, Yasver Zulueta. Right, that's who you're referring to on on the Jays. Who is on the forty man? Yeah, I like him. I haven't taken him yet, but maybe neither by. I'll, I'll grab him in the fiftieth round. I want I want one share. Um, I think. Like four, Four plus pitches, right? Like he's he's nasty. No no command, but he could be ready. Yeah. He's older. I don't. I've I've taken him one draft too. I don't. He strikes me a little bit as similar to like Yoan Duran last year, where it was like he has nasty stuff, but has been hurt like all the time. And maybe he could. Maybe they just bring him up and like he pitches out of the pen or whatever. I don't know exactly what they're going to end up doing with him. But I don't know. In the fiftieth round, I've I've taken at least one shot so far. Yeah, I've done worse. I've definitely drafted worse. I've drafted TJ Anton, so I would have. I will place all my TJ Anton <laughs> shares with either yeah. either of those guys. Either of those guys. Um, so let's wrap it up. I know you guys have uh, stayed on way longer than we anticipated, but on just quickly, like, and do you, do you have any like closing thoughts? You can talk about these last three points that were on the agenda, like group think, diversification, team composition. Why don't we go through each of you guys and you can maybe say one point on each of those um, sort of topics. They get talked about enough, but um, group think, diversification, roster construction. Start with you, Nikolai. Why don't you go first? Yeah, I think for group think, you know, it's great, like getting a chance like this, just to sit here and BS with you guys and hear, you know, some different people's thoughts. Right. And, um, I'm not stubborn enough to think I know everything by any means. So I, I, that's why I like soaking up as much of this stuff as I can. I'm not a big, uh, more of an audible learner. So I'm just constantly having like a podcast on um, just to soak up as much info as I can. And if somebody makes a point that I hadn't really thought of, I love doing a deep dive on it kind of thing. So, but at the same time, I'm usually pretty sound in like the way I feel on somebody. So I, I try not to let it sway me too, too much, but Again, you have to have an open mind, of course. Um, diversification. Um, are you just wanting me to more touch on like 
you know, am I, like we talked about Tyler O'Neill. I was like, yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably grab it in OC just because, you know, the, the fear of him going 30, 30 or something. Um, yeah. Like, or my like, you, don't, you, don't my to touch on, you don't have to touch on all of them, but you can, if you want to, you don't have to touch on all points. Oh, but sorry. You can, no, no, it's okay. You can touch on them all, but if you don't have to, like just those three items, you can talk about whatever you want, just any closing points, anything you wanted to, if you had anything prepared to say or whatever. Yeah, no, I'll just finish off with the diversification, let the other guys go quick. Um, yeah, I, I'm definitely, I think I mentioned this to you last year in a DM, but, you know, I had to jump in an OC because I didn't have Bobby Wood on the team. And I was just, my literal goal was like, I'm grabbing him, which is <laughs> ridiculous. But, you know, it's like, I'm like, I got to have him on one team in case he just, you know, has that insane season that, you know, you miss out on. So, um, but I usually have a list of, some auto picks that I'm just, I'm not afraid to have them on, you know, a massive amount of my teams, you know, last year was, uh, and these are going to sound horrible because they all backfired, but Buxton, Solaire, me and you talked about him a ton. Yep. I, I was just both of those guys. Just, they did not work out at all. Right. It's, it's amazing that, you know, actually. Buxton was a man. Was he, it, he, he was fine. He worked out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was so calm. I mean, that is a delusional Twins fan pick. I'll, I'll admit, I'm like, this is the year, you know, it's, it's happening. And then he hit 200 on top of being, you know, apparently not allowed to run, even though it's probably the best base dealer in all of baseball. They just let him do it. But uh, it's tough when you're made of glass. So, um, yeah. Anyways, I'll shut up. I'll let the other guys speak on. All right, Mark, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, group think I, I got. A couple thoughts. Uh, so I, I do listen to a lot of the baseball podcasts out there. I I think there's value in that. Um, even there's some that I listen to and I find myself just shaking my head in disagreement pretty often, but I think it's forcing me to form an opinion on the player they're talking about. So I, I think that's where I can get value out of it. Um, and, you know, you're never going to catch everything. You know, we have finite time. We can't pour over every single player's savant page and O swing and Z contact. So a lot of times they bring up guys that, um, you know, I'll reconsider or I'll reevaluate my preconceived notions on and, and find value in it that way. And then, you know, I just think collaborating is, is always helpful. So I think you find either an analyst or a podcast guy that you, that you trust or that you feel like thinks about, uh, analysis or roster construction the way that you believe in and maybe allow yourself to be swayed a little bit by yeah. them. Um, uh, shout out to, to Graham, shrimp, shrimp boat captain. Uh, we DM'd a little bit and, and him asking me about Fott versus uh, Kyle Harrison in a DC is what prompted me to take a closer look into, you know, their game logs. How often were they actually out there long enough to, to get a chance for a win? So uh, he made me reconsider my, my knee-jerk reaction on on those two players. So I, I think it's helpful to to bounce ideas off people if you can. That's good. Yeah. No, Graham's, Graham's okay. <laughs> All right, Todd, take it home. Yeah. On the, uh, I mean, on the roster construction thing, especially because I think we focus mostly on DC's draft and holds in this discussion. You know, one of the things I think about a lot, especially uh, like the last couple of years is something that, Rudy Gamble wrote a couple of years ago about how like we all have multiple personalities and like one is is the guy who drafts the team and then the other one is the one who has to like manage the team the rest of the season who's just cursing yeah. the guy who drafted the team the whole time 
I've heard them and, say, I've heard him say that. Yeah. And just, you know, trying to, to think like when I'm in a draft, all right, if I take this guy, like, when am I going to play him? Is it going to be a decision that's like a coin flip that I curse myself over the entire time and I always make the wrong call? Is it going to be a guy like Eddie Mercury that I'm so tempted to throw him <laughs> in for a two-step that I just crush my team every time? You know, all of those are considerations and thinking about it. You know, <clears throat> a lot of the, it feels like a lot of the analysis is focused on like, you know, full season stats, right? And plug it into an auction calculator or an SGP spreadsheet and then comparing values of guys, you know, next to each other. But I think that that really ignores the reality of the fact that, you know, every single scoring period, you got to set your lineup and you got to, you know, make choices there. And so trying to figure out, you know, I mean, the like the Elleris Montero thing is dumb, right? But it, it's also something that it's like, you know, it made an easy decision for one of the spots on my team where it was an obvious call, like I start this guy or I sit this guy and it's a, it's a really obvious decision. And so it's one spot where I'm thinking, all right, the guy who drafted this team isn't a complete idiot. Uh, maybe he knew what he was doing. And so I think that's, you know, part of roster construction, especially in draft and hold that you, you have to really think about when you're drafting teams. No, those are awesome points. So um, let's wrap it up. Um, thanks, thanks for coming on, um, all of you. Uh, I know, Todd, I've probably been playing with you against you for the longest. And I, you're one of the guys that, like, I avoided in drafts. And um, your record backs that up. So you're, I think, I don't know, have you ever been on, a, like, one of these podcasts before? No, nah, I think this is the first time. So You should be. You should be because you were great. And all of you guys were great. But, like, you're, you're one of the – you're one of the best players I've seen draft and like a player I don't want to be in these DCs with. And you've probably seen me and none of you are so far because I've avoided you. If you're in one of those signup sheets, I don't, I don't want anything to do with it. Not to the same thing with those OCs last year. I'm like, I don't want to be with you. And especially because you took, not because of whatever you did, you did awesome too. I think you had a lot of teams in the top in the hunt and you did well, but um, we liked a lot of the same players. And then Mark. Um, yeah, I know Graham always says, really good things about you and you said you were like an amazing dynasty league player so that's a whole other conversation um and um from what i've seen what what you've done so far and um even some of the stuff you post on twitter recently i think you've been posting a little bit more recently than like i'm thinking to myself shut the fuck up don't post that <laughs> luckily so, nobody follows me so i'm perfect you'll be all right. don't, okay yeah no one follow any of these guys and yeah so no, honestly it was, it was great um like i said when i was telling people that I was going to have you guys on. Like I'd way, way rather talk to some of you guys, not, this is not throwing any shade at any, any of the analysts, but um, like you guys have had success like quickly in the NFBC and you guys are smart and you guys know what you're doing. So I wanted to talk to you guys personally. And I think this is going to be one of the best podcasts that we've done. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I think thanks, I, Eric, all, all of these, all of these guys, I mean, all of you are really smart. I, I love the stuff that Mark puts on Twitter. I'm the same way. I'm like, hey, man, like, uh, relax. relax. <laughs> yeah, it, remi it reminds me of like when Ryan Venancia was first like starting. I'm like, who is this guy? Why does he keep saying all these things I don't want him to say? <laughs> but uh, no, you guys are like, I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of faith in you kicking my ass this year. So I don't know. Anything else you guys want to say before we shut this off? That's it. No. Thanks. Nick. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, yeah. It was a blast. All right. Yeah. No, yeah. We'll, thanks, Zach, man. We'll chat later. Appreciate and, uh, it.
nice to meet Mark and Todd. It was fun to yeah hear everybody's thoughts and uh, good luck uh, draft season, man. Cool. All right, thanks guys. We'll end it off here. Fucking stop recording here.